Thank you, band, for some uh, great worship and praise songs. So we are here in this season of Advent, as Mary said in her prayer. And uh, how many people here amongst the adults have an Advent calendar out of interest? I imagine there's a ma- Oh, good, good. I have one as well. Um, I know, imagine a lot of the children have got Advent um, calendars, but um, I have a Stormtrooper Advent calendar, that well-known Christmas character. Uh, one of my friends knows I'm a Star Wars ma- uh, fan and bought me a Stormtrooper Advent calendar. Um, <laughs> And Advent is often seen as being about the run-up to Christmas and preparing for Christmas. But actually, throughout the history of the church, it has changed and evolved. And at the beginning of the early days of the church, back in the fourth century, Advent was a time of preparation, but preparation for baptism. New converts were baptized in the new year, And uh, we'd love to have some baptisms in the new year, just to mention that. But traditionally, this was actually not a time of feasting and celebration, but very much a time of fasting and of prayer as people prepared their hearts for entering into a new season in their lives as they were baptized. But as the years went on and things changed, in the 12th century, Bernard of Clairvaux, who was a Benedictine monk, talked about Advent having three aspects. The coming of Christ in the flesh at Bethlehem, the coming of Christ in our hearts, and the coming of Christ in glory at the end of time. And now that is what Advent is actually about. It's not about Christ coming and being born on Christmas Day, it's much, much more than that. Chris, can I have my slides, please? Thank you. And so this morning, I am going to be talking about the coming of Christ in our hearts. Last week, Dave looked at Christ coming in the flesh, the incarnation as it's known, and next week, Ben is going to be talking about the coming of Christ in glory at the end of time. How about that for a Christmas message? But this morning, I'm going to be looking at the coming of Christ in our hearts. And uh, we've just sung in O Little Town of Bethlehem in the third verse, which is just about to come onto the screen. Are we all right, Chris? Oh, no, my slides, please, Chris. Not those ones, thank you, but I can read this to you anyway. Thank you. Okay. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. You know, those are familiar words. We've probably sung them for years and years and years. But let's just take a moment to think how incredible that is. The dear Christ enters in. In Colossians 1, we read, to them the God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles 
the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in us. Christ in us. We sing that chorus over and over, and I think in King of Kings Majesty, we sang, God of heaven living in me. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that absolutely amazing? And, you know, it's, it's wonderful to know that God came to earth as a baby and grew as a man, took on human flesh, but how extraordinary that he comes to live within us, to live within us and live within our hearts. And that's just what I want to unpack a little bit more this morning. Because, you know, we know that Jesus was from the beginning. In John's Gospel, we read these beautiful words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Christ already existed in the beginning. But we know that the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So God who was spirit, Jesus who was spirit, became flesh. And he did that so that we who are flesh can be born again in the spirit. Isn't that amazing? Jesus was of the spirit and became of the flesh so that we, born of the flesh, could be born again in the spirit. And we must be born again. That's what the scripture tells us. We must be born again. These are very familiar words from John chapter 3 when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Hallelujah. It's interesting how you hear um, the term born-again Christian um, in a kind of categorization, you know, there are Christians who are this and Christians who are that, and there are Christians who are born again. But, you know, it's very clear. Jesus said we must be born again. And I think it astounds me. I can understand, you know, certain passages of Scripture that people are challenged by and they, and they need to wrestle with. But here, not only once but twice, Jesus said, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Those are his words. And praise God that he did everything for us for that to take place. And you know, when we are born again, something happens to us. Something happens within us and inside us. In um, Ezekiel, it was prophesied, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. It's like a, a surgery that may not happen in the physical, but in the spiritual, something most definitely happens. Something happens. And um, 
everyone here I know will have a very different experience and I think especially if you've been brought up in a church um, and have gone to church since being a small child you'll you know things can happen very gradually our learning and understanding you know but for me I remember when I was 16 my mum became a Christian and um, something shifted in our house I couldn't tell you what it was but it didn't feel the same. I didn't understand it, but something had happened. There was a a shift, an atmosphere. Something was different. Something was different. And for me, my own journey began a few years later when I was at uni, I was 19. And as I began to explore for myself just the reality of who Jesus was, from that moment when I decided to follow him, things changed within me. And when I was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, things were different. Things were different. Something happened on the inside. And when I was baptized in the Spirit, I had not got a clue what was going on. I had no idea. I didn't know anything about baptism in the Holy Spirit. And actually, nobody was praying for me. I was praying for somebody else. And God just opened heaven and poured upon me his love and joy and peace and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and all the gifts that the Spirit gives us. I had not got a clue. And I remember after this meeting that I was at, walking home with a friend, and she said to me, what happened to you tonight? I went, I don't know. I have no idea what happened, but something happened. Something amazing happened. And it was years later that I actually understood that that was my being filled with the Spirit. I didn't speak in tongues then. That didn't happen then. But something happened within me. Something happened on the inside. I was given a new heart and a new spirit. That was my experience. And you know, one of the things I remember from that time, you know, I'd never been to church. I wasn't brought up going to church at all. And I remember starting to read the Bible. I remember starting to read the Gospels for the first time. And as I read these words, I remember very clearly in my head thinking, I know this, this is already inside me. That was my experience. These were words I'd never read, maybe a few familiar stories I might have heard from school, but I knew it was inside me. I couldn't understand that. It wasn't that I knew it here, but I knew that it was within me. It wasn't knowledge I'd acquired. I was stuffing my head full of knowledge. I was in the middle of a law degree, but in here, I knew what I didn't know before. Something happened inside, and that's the promise of the scriptures. In Jeremiah, this is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel. I will put their law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And I know for me that something changed inside. Something changed in my heart. Hallelujah. I, um, I love Toza. Toza I'm a big fan of. If any of you have any read any Tozer, and I know often when I speak, I quote from Tozer. Tozer's very hard-hitting. It's never an easy read. But in, um, 
In preparing for this morning, I read uh, one of his books called Man, the Dwelling Place of God. There's a fabulous title. And in it, he says this, the genuinely renewed man will have a new life center. He will experience a new orientation affecting his whole personality. He will become aware of a different philosophical outlook. Things he once held to be of value may suddenly lose all their attraction for him. And he may even hate some of the things he formerly loved. And I don't know about you, maybe as I've been just sharing a little bit from my story, some of you are thinking back to your stories of when you first came to Christ, but I know very definitely that this, to me, sums up my experience. I had a new life center, and it meant that everything had to change. And it wasn't that the things I wanted for my life were bad or wrong, but the orientation of those things was all around me. I was the center and I was the focus. And when I came to Christ, and praise God for those who guided me in those early times, I understood that that could no longer be the case, that my life center had to be him. My life now was all about not what I wanted, but what he wanted. And that was the thing that struck me most of all when I met other Christians, was that they weren't living their lives for themselves. They were living them for Jesus, and they were seeking him for their futures and their careers and relationships and all these things. And this was a huge challenge to me because my life had all been about me. And suddenly I had to realize that I had to relinquish the throne to my own life. Where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. But you know, Christ can never be an add-on He's not just something else that we can believe. For him to be Lord in our lives, he has to be, as the saying goes, Lord of all, otherwise he's not Lord at all. And it's very challenging. It's very challenging. It requires that dying to self on a daily basis. But what a joy when we know we're part of a new family. And I I remember at one point during those early days, um, one particular day, things had been quite a challenge Um, in some of my friendship groups. And actually, I lost a lot of friends when I became a Christian um, because some people didn't like it. They didn't like that I wouldn't do the things I used to do. They didn't like the challenge that I, without saying or doing anything, brought. And I know some of you will know that. Um, In your families, that can very much be the case without having to say necessarily anything. But I remember them being very challenging times. And um, one day, I remember feeling particularly homesick and um, going back to my room and just picking up John's Gospel, which is always a great place to go if you're not feeling good. And uh, I remember I was really tired um, and needed really to kind of turn off the light and go to bed, but I just kept reading and kept reading until I got to these really precious words, which have been really precious to me. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. 
where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Christ comes and makes his home within us. Isn't that extraordinary? His home is within us. A couple of weeks after I uh, moved house, somebody um, came to visit and they brought a friend. And um, I'd only been in a couple of weeks. It was pretty much sorted. And she said to me, how long have you been here? I said, oh, just a couple of weeks. And she said, but she said, it feels like a home already. She said, I've been in my house a year and it still doesn't feel like a home. And afterwards, when she'd gone, I remember thinking, you know, my home is with Christ and I can make home wherever I am because I'm at home. I'm at home in him and with him. I'm at home in myself. And, you know, I think at Christmas there's a lot of pressure on us to have the perfect home and the perfect family. If you've ever watched an episode of Kirsty's Handmade Christmas... Um, you'll know that <laughs> there's an awful lot that can be done and made to make everything look beautiful and wonderful. But actually, truly, home is knowing who Christ is. Home is that what we can experience with him and knowing him. But you know, with that, there's also a responsibility to keep our houses in order. Do you not know that your bodies? are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You know, we have a responsibility as the people of God, the dwelling place of God within us. We have a responsibility for how we look after our bodies, I think physically, but also internally, our attitudes, our mindsets, because we carry within us, by his spirit, Christ. And that's what people are looking for within us. People are very quick to tear down Christians in the media, especially these days. And it's so important that we live as those who are carrying the very presence of God. You know, we think of Mary doing that journey, that incredible journey that she would have had to have done, carrying physically Jesus as a baby within her. And yet for all of us here in this room who've given our lives to Christ, we carry the presence of Christ within us. What an amazing thing that is. That gives us amazing authority and with that responsibility because we carry his power, his presence within us. It goes on in this final verse. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. And you know, that's the good news, is not only does Jesus come to us, he also removes that sin nature from us. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live 
with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. I am aware it is the morning of our Christmas party, and Romans could be quite weighty for um, the morning of a party, but actually this passage, and many others, Romans 8 in particular, has got the most extraordinary truths in it, that dead to sin, alive to Christ dead to sin, alive to Christ. And that is the best news that we can ever hear. And I don't know about you, but for me, that is the best present I could ever receive. For weeks now, my mother has been saying to me, Andrea, what do you want for Christmas? And it's been very stressful because I'm not really a stuffed person. And I keep going, oh, I don't know. I don't know what I want. In the end, um, on a one-hour flight from Bruges, Sally Hart went through a whole list of things till I finally could find something that I would have. And uh, now it's, what do you want for your birthday, Andrea? (laughs) (laughs) But you know, the best gift I ever received was the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the best gift I have ever had. And uh, yes, with that comes the responsibility in how, how we live. Each one of us, doesn't matter what we do, what our job is, whether we work for the church or not, we all have that responsibility as carriers of the presence of Christ, every single one of us. And I can't do what you can do and you can't do what I can do. Every one of us is unique and God has a calling upon all of our lives But we need to be surrendered to him and we need to let him be on the throne. And today, I really wanted to give us the opportunity to let the dear Christ enter in. And I know that for some people here, maybe you've never experienced a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I really believe that God wants to come and do something today. But you know in the scriptures in Ephesians, when it tells us to be filled with the Spirit, it means go on being filled with the Spirit. It doesn't mean it's a one-off thing, because God always wants to refresh us and renew us. Isn't that precious? He wants to do that. And I really believe this morning, um, Penny and I were talking, we're just both tired and we're stressed and we've got a million things going on. We're not sleeping because our heads are crammed. I really know that God wants to refresh us this morning. And I also know that the Holy Spirit is a giver of gifts. And I believe today there are people that he wants to give gifts to. They may be ministry gifts, they may be spiritual gifts like interpretation of tongues, prayer for healing. But I believe that God wants to meet with us today. And uh, I want us to just spend some time Um, before we go into a time of celebration and party, just receiving the best gift we're ever going to have. Is that okay? Good. Sally, come on up. I said to Sally, I've no idea how to do this at the end, so I'm just going to hand over to you and let you sort it out. It would be good to have the band up, if that's possible, because it'd be good to have some worship, I think. Be ready. Sally, I'm going to hand over to you. Great. (laughs) 
Let's just um, be quiet. <laughs> Thank you that you chose to leave heaven and all the wonder of heaven to come to earth as a baby. And we remember at this time of the year, that's what it is all about. And we do actually know that. But Father, we get so bombarded by all that is happening around us that it affects us in such subtle ways that we're not even aware of it. We're surrounded by people who are stressed out. We're surrounded by people who are spending money they don't actually have. We're aware that the new colours of baubles and decorations are not the same as last year. Oh dear, what do we do? Do we go out and buy a whole load of new stuff? We're bombarded by all these incredible adverts. If you, if you use this, you'll look like that. Or if you smell like this, you attract something like that. And we think, oh no, these don't affect us. But they do. They do because they're very subtle. So Father, this morning as we stand and as we want to receive everything that you have for us, we start off by saying, have mercy on us, Jesus. Will you forgive us that at this Christmas time, somehow we've got caught up in the melee of everything that's going on around us and it's affecting us and we're not looking forward to necessarily Christmas. We'll just be glad when it's all over. And we don't want to be like that. We want to remember Jesus. This is when we remember you coming and being born. So will you forgive us? And as we sit here, we choose to let go of all of that. Just let it fall away from you. All that stress. All that, what am I going to get so and so? How am I going to fit that many people around the table? Is the turkey going to be big enough? All of that stuff, we let it go. And we say, Jesus, enter in. Come and fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. We need you. So I would like to invite you to stand, if you would like to. But in standing, what we're saying is, I'm ready. I'm ready, Holy Spirit, for you to come and touch my life. I'm ready to receive whatever it is that you want to give me. I'm ready to receive anything and everything that you have for me. So would you like to stand? And then I'd like to invite you again if you'd like to. We're going to receive, so I always like to encourage people to have your hands open or folded we receive when our hands are open 
So, Father God, we're standing here in your presence in the very throne room. The angels are all around us with these amazing bowls full of incredible gifts for us. And we want to stand here and say, we're ready. Our hands are open. Come and fill us afresh. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us like never before. Fill us from the tops of our heads down to our toes and into our fingertips. Fill us with gifts for our own use, but so that we can give them away to other people. Fill us with grace. Fill us with love. Fill us with kindness. Fill us with gentleness. Fill us with words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Fill us with new languages. Fill us to overflow. Fill us with a gift to speak and tell people about Jesus in a way that people understand. Fill us with visions. Fill us with pictures for other people, not just for ourselves. Give us fresh revelation of who we are, who we are in you, what the authority we have in you. That we don't have to put up with all of this stuff around us. We can say no. We don't have to say yes. We can say no. Father, we want to be the best friend this Christmas. We want to be the best daughter, the best son, the best mother, the best father, the best cousin, the best auntie, the best uncle, the best child. We want to demonstrate who you are, Jesus. You're not just a baby, but you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're the Prince of peace. The government of God rests on your shoulder. That's who we carry. It has to change us. It has to look like something. So we stand with our arms open wide, our hands open. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Blow through this place. Bring healing in your wings. I just feel that I can see this morning that as some of us are standing with our hands open, there's other stuff in them. And um, just want to encourage us that maybe the stuff in order to gain that we need to lay down. So if that's you, if your hands are a little bit heavy because you're, no car- you're carrying stuff that's in the way, I just want to encourage you to lay it down because what God has for you is so much more. Thank you, Lord. If you're not sure how to do that, then imagine in your hands there's all that stuff. Okay? And then I want you to turn your hand over because it has to fall out then. So do it like as a prophetic act if you need to. Sometimes it's just helpful to do something. I'm laying it down. I'm letting go of it. And then put your hand back up again open because now it's going to be filled with good stuff.